Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the fully unified NerdPod Generations. This is episode 47. My name is Steve Taylor. As always, I am here with the, the gatekeeper, Al Judson. Hello, sir. He's back, friends and enemies. Oh my god, it's so good to be back with you. This is... We have, we had the discussion prior. This has been the most batshit crazy month of my entire life. Yeah, it sounds it. And I'm very excited. I have missed this. I have missed you. I have missed your wife. I have missed your apartment. I've missed everything. We've missed you, dude. This is so great. Yeah, I'm excited. It's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see it's you. It's so dude. good to see you. Uh... But thank you for holding the fort down. I cannot thank you enough for those two episodes uh-huh. you posted, which were fantastic. And keeping keeping everything alive with I still have this YouTube video I'm trying to finish. Everything's got thrown to the wayside. But it's good to be back though. Yeah. Yeah, it's great having you back. We're excited to see you. So excited. And this means we can finally talk about Picard. We can finally talk about Picard. And luckily, there hasn't been a massive deluge of nerdy stuff that's happened over the last few weeks. No, we were just talking about the giant wall. Of nerdy stuff that's about to overfall yeah, us. Yeah, with Moon Knight and, and then... Uh, Halo and uh, more Picard and... Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. And then also, I think we're only now maybe two weeks away from the Batman uh, being on HBO Max. Yes, and we can finally review Batman. We're gonna. I know today we're going to... We're gonna. little spoiler for ahead, ahead of time here, folks. We're going to be talking about... Spider-Man Far From Home, because I finally have been able to see the full movie. You watched it? Not just the little YouTube clips. I have watched it. I have absorbed it. Um, But we are going to be talking about the first three episodes of Picard today, and then we're going to delve a little deeper into Spider-Man. But as always, folks, this is, once again, NerdPod Generations, episode 47. Uh, For those of you who are listening to us for the first time, please go back and listen to our back catalog. It is 46 episodes of Pure Gold wonderful content for you. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much any podcast site of your choice. If you type us into Google, NerdPod Generations, we pop up. Um, our individual sites pop up. Our YouTube site pops up. Pretty much everything related to us will show up. So please give us a look-see. Um, you know, comment on either the YouTube videos or at our individual websites. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, and I think we just need to delve right into what have we been watching, playing, and reading. Sure, let's go. And right for I want to start this. Do it because I am very excited about this. Do it. Okay, I have watched just recently what I deem as my favorite movie of at least the last few months. Sing two. Sing now let two. me explain. I really enjoyed the first Sing movie. I thought it was entertaining. I loved the music in it, the singing, the acting. I thought it was great. We have been waiting, my kids and I, to rent Sing 2. It has been in theaters, and then it was on the on-demand where it was you can rent it for $25, and I'm like, that ain't happening. Mm -hmm. Well, just recently, it turned to you can buy it for $20. So I was like, you know, we'll do that. Because I I know we enjoyed the first one enough. We'll enjoy this one, so let's just buy it. Holy shit, is that an entertaining movie. It is hysterical. It has a solid story. It moves along in a really good clip. The music is great. The the storyline is awesome. Um, It, you know, revolves around the same characters, except for... No, none of the characters mention Seth MacFarlane's mouse character from the first one. Oh. He's not in it at all, and he's never mentioned. Huh. Which, and every other voice actor came back for this, which makes me wonder, did did they A, not have a part for him in the story, which is kind, would be kind of weird because it takes place in a fictional Las Vegas, and so a lounge singer, it's like, that would be perfect. Yeah. Or is Seth MacFarlane A, too busy, or B, did he want too much money? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird, I have to admit. But the storyline revolves around the same characters, and they have a um, a play. They want to bring to Las Vegas, and they go, and um, they have to meet with this wolf who's like the overbearing, mean, snarling director of this massive casino, and he's... They kind of play him off almost like a Simon Cowell type thing where 
all these acts come up and they're all terrible and he's buzzing them out and they even have the buzzer looks the same as like America's Got Talent. Okay. Um, and so they end up getting the show pitch moved along and it kind of revolves around them getting this retired musician played by Bono to come out of retirement to be part of the show and to use his songs, which is The Streets Have No Name is like the one uh-huh. they kind of pitch. And... Everything is great about this movie. I cannot stress enough. We've watched it twice so far. Cannot stress enough how entertaining this movie is. Yeah. Like, it is a must watch. That's good to hear. Because I, I never saw the original saying. Yeah, it's good. Like, but, it's good. Yeah, I've heard good things. Yes. It's, sound, it's like Paddington. It's one of these movies that I've heard good things about, but yes. I've never actually seen yes. any of it. So that's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. And the that. same thing with Paddington. People were like gaga over the second one. Yeah. And they said the first one's good, second one. And this one, I mean, I would even say this is one of the best sequels when you compare it to the original that I've ever seen. Oh, It's that's up high there praise. with some of the best ones in my opinion. Wow. It's that entertaining. Because I know that I do love Taron Edgerton. And I and know he's great. He does his singing thing, which yes. is always fun to hear him sing. He's always so good. Mitch, um, a lot of his singing in the first movie, because he sings Elton John songs. I only just realized this recently. Kind of got him on the radar to play Elton John. Elton John and, yeah. and Rocket Man, which is one of my favorite kind of biographies, even though they take license with it. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh, yeah. I love Rocket Man. It's phenomenal. Man. It's Such so a good, good. movie. Like, so you good. see that, and then you see something like Bohemian Rhapsody, and you're like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. Like, this is a far and away better movie. I love the way that they use his music as, like, a musical element yes. throughout the story. Yes. Oh, just so it good. It was very trippy. So smart, but, so fun. Oh, my God, dude. This movie is so freaking good. Yeah. Like, I cannot stress enough, and anyone listening, I know it's a kid's movie. 100% no. But the music is all, like... You know, mostly like '80s and '90s rock, and it's the like I said, the voice acting's great, and the music's great, everything is great. How annoying is Nick Kroll? Because Nick Kroll is awesome. He's good. And at first, the first time I saw the first thing, I was like, I don't know who did Gunther, and then I saw it was Nick Kroll, and I loved the TV show The League, mm-hmm. which he plays Rux, oh, yeah. and he has the major role in it. I was like, that's fucking Nick Kroll. Like, I had no idea. And the funny part about this is he plays, you know, he plays the same character, of course. And this character is the one that comes up with the idea for the play. And the way they show him, like, kind of bringing the idea to fruition is hysterical. Because <laughs> he keeps changing his mind. And, the way, and like, you're listening to it and you're like, holy shit, that's fucking Ruxin. I cannot believe it. And it's so good. He must have some German character that he does. Because he was also on Community where he did a German character. And there's gotta be there's gotta be it's gotta be some some character that he did when they were at georgetown and he's he's turned it into a whole thing but good for him i love hearing that and um, you know and it's and also you got to give a lot of credit to like scarlett johansson mm-hmm. who has truly like a really good voice yeah like her singing is incredible um my probably my favorite though is somebody whose music i do not listen to but I saw her on Saturday Night Live. She was the musical guest, and I think she was the host also. It was Halsey. I love Halsey. She plays the spoiled brat, which the um, the like theater owner, his name is Jimmy Crystal. It's played by Bobby Cannavale, I think yeah, is his yeah. name, who's awesome. But she plays his spoiled brat daughter who gets a part in the um, play. She can't act, but her singing and like the scenes with her are awesome. Like absolutely fantastic because she plays just the spoiled, dumb Paris Hilton like character until uh, she sings, and then you're like, oh dude, fucking voice is awesome. There we go. But I can't, I do it. I cannot stress it. And the problem, unfortunately for you, is I I know you have access to some of the voodoo movies I have. I have bought this under Audrey's. My wife's um, Amazon account, so you can't. Have, I'm like, God damn it! And after I bought it, I was like, Ah, shit! I bought it under the wrong yeah. damn thing. But nah, it's all right. I'll see it eventually, dude. It'll make its way. It's so good. Yeah. Like I can't stress enough. I gotta so watch the good. first one first, anyway. So I got time. That one I do. I don't know if that's in my. That might be on. It the... might be. 
on the movies anywhere. You got to be able to find it. Yeah, I'll, it's yeah. got to be on a streaming service. Somewhere. Yeah, no, I have, and you'll watch the first one. And like I said, it's entertaining, very entertaining. But it's more like, okay, this is the concept. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to perfect it in the second one. I love when movies are able to do that. Yeah. Because nothing bores me more than a movie that goes out of its way to tell a very simple story. And then, like, doesn't have time to build the world. Yes. That it's been telling us this story about. Yeah. And so, like, when a second movie comes along and can really flush out the world. Oh, oh I love that. So I love that so much. And real quick, before you, it's your turn, I have to mention this because I found this out today, which I am very excited about. You said you have not watched Star Trek The Motion Picture yet, right? I have not watched Star okay. Trek The Motion Picture. April 5th is First Contact Day. Because uh-huh. that is in yeah. the storyline when they first had contact with the Vulcans. Yeah. Paramount Plus is releasing Star Trek The Motion Picture in 4K on April 5th. Hey. So that's your best opportunity because I was like, oh my God, dude. Because I have it in Blu-ray, but I have not seen it. Like It's supposed to be fully redone in 4K. Huh. And it's a director's cut. Which, what I've heard about that movie is the problem with it is the editing was a very fast process to get it out. And a lot of the best parts got left on the editing room floor. Yeah. And so the unedited, director's cut, 4K, April 5th, Paramount Plus. Very excited about that. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing April 5th, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, So what have I been watching? I watched The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's not as... Or recent... Uh, but it is fun. I, I will say, the going back to it, I realized I've never actually seen the whole movie. I've seen... Really? I, so it what appears to have happened is the first time I saw it, I saw it from like the two-thirds point on. Okay. And then the next time I saw it, I saw it from just a little, like 10 minutes before that, on. And then add 10 minutes until this time... Like, the fourth time I've sat down and watched this okay. movie, I actually started at the beginning and saw the whole thing from the beginning through to the end. And I was like, man, I don't know how I've gone through this movie so many times and never actually seen the whole thing. Yeah. But, very good movie. Excellent movie. It is a great action, just like adventure film. Mm. It's as close to an Indiana Jones movie as you can get. It definitely has enough of those scenes where when I watch it with our kids... We're gonna be like, don't watch this scene. Mm-hmm. Just, I I don't want to watch this scene. There's a couple, yeah. There's a couple scenes like when the mummy's sucking the souls out of the guys that yeah. opened up his coffin. You're like, ooh. Or like when uh, the bugs go under their skin. Oh yeah. Like, oh god, no, please. No. See, the, for about ten solid years, the mummy and the mummy two were my favorite movie. Mm. Like I was addicted to them. But those are unfortunately like the first Jumanji, to where the special effects are not aging well it's a little janky at times it's when when the mummy is in full mummy form it's a little janky yeah to say the least um there's not great and scorpion king in the second one well yeah we're that's that's its own whole thing that's infamous yeah yeah um but yeah i i will say the effects not done around characters Mm were great. So like the sand effects, the faces in the sand, that kind of stuff. That's all great. It's really just when you have like close-ups on the mummy itself that you're kind of like, I'm going to let this slide because I'm enjoying the movie that you've built around it. Exactly. But don't think I didn't notice that this is not aging great. And I love, what's his name? Alexander Volkov? Is that his name? The guy that plays the mummy? He was also Zartan in the G.I. Joe movies. Oh, let's um, see. I loved him as Imhotep. I thought he was awesome. He is one of those character actors that I think I first saw him. He was in. He played Darkman in one of the Darkman sequels. I think. Oh, that would make sense. Arnold Vosloo. Arnold Vosloo. Thank you. Yeah. I always liked him as an actor, and and the Mummy. I thought he was great. Yeah. He was very intimidating as Imhotep. He's very good yeah. as the villain. He's very like you said, intimidating, and then also like just upsetting (laughs) like there's so many elements of like just the transition from mummy to human is enough that you're just like i don't like this guy yeah i'm i'm i'd I'd rather not spend time around this guy so but seeing brendan fraser in action 
Seen it then. So, yeah, also true. Uh, but I, I love his energy in that movie. Because he comes in and you think he's like the lead in the film. And to a degree he is. But we don't know or learn anything about him. The movie mm-hmm. much more is from the viewpoint of Rachel Weisz's character. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of like the Han Solo type. And man, he, he makes a good Han Solo type. He does. <laughs> he's so entertaining in that movie. And the entire time you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And just like, at no point does he ever break bad. Like, even by the end of the movie, he's still trying to save Benny, mm-hmm. who's been backstabbing him the entire oh movie. My God. And I gotta, I gotta admit, Benny, that actor himself, I cannot stand that guy. Yeah. Every movie he's in, he's the most obnoxious. Because he also played Igor in Van Helsing, which was a horrible movie, uh, but it was from the same director. Yeah. And it's just something about him. You're just like, I don't know if he's that good at that kind of character. But I want to just punch him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is not a redeeming character. No, not at all. No. I thought that there was going to be a whole thing because at the beginning, he hides in one of the tombs. And then it says three years later. My thought was like, oh, so he's going to have been under the thrall of the mummy this entire time. No, that's not. No. Mm. And so I was like, okay, that, that could have been cooler. But whatever. It's fine. The movie's really good. It's really fun. Yeah. It's a classic action film. So you just said it. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Like it has a lot of faults, but it's fun. It's fun. You don't yeah. care. No. You don't care Not about the faults. You don't care about the, the, you know, the fact that some of the characters don't really have much information going on behind them. True. They're just kind of these caricatures. Right down to Brendan Fraser himself, who is a caricature of just this action hero, but he pulls yeah. it off really well. I seem to remember hearing that they barely choreographed some of the fight scenes mm-hmm. or they did it like on the day of and then the cgi guys came in in the pack and the back end and made it all look good um so it's you know the skeletons from a distance don't look bad yeah they're pretty good the skeleton fight scenes are pretty good yeah you gotta love a skeleton fight scene see i wish i could go back in time it's similar to like the ps1 era where every game had to be that 3D polygon, which did not age well. No. And go back to these guys who were like so insistent on putting like CGI in their movies and like, it's not ready, man. Just don't do it. Do a little bit to make it like fix some things, but don't rely on it. Because no. it just doesn't look like like now. Like I could go back and watch it and I still am entertained by the movie, but some of the special effects I admit kind of take me out of it. I'm like, man, that just is terrible. There was one moment when <clears throat> the mummy that the classic shot of the mummy screaming at camera where I was just like, and then the shot where it sees the cat and runs away. Yeah. I was just like, well, the mummy screaming at camera, if you remember, that's almost identical to I am legend when they showed the vampire supposedly, and they did the scream in their bottom. Yeah, like it yeah, looked yeah. identical. Yeah. Yeah. And it looked as bad in that movie as it did in this movie. <laughs> Although not a lot looks good. in I am legend. No, no, it's it's a weirdly bad movie. Yeah, it's a weirdly bad movie. Yeah. That's a super tangent movie right there. Yeah. 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 We, we'll that's have to trash that sometime. <laughs> that would be our, one of our mystery science theater will just trash yeah, that movie. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Is I watched the Mummy, which holds up. It holds up pretty good. It does hold up. Yeah. It absolutely the, holds up. The the animation notwithstanding. Yeah. The rest of the movie holds up pretty good, and you get to see young Rachel Weisz, who is just. A, a darling. She's so great. I love her. She doesn't live so far wonderful. from here. You know that. Really? Her and Daniel Craig live in upstate New York. I'm not exactly sure where, but I know it's only like maybe a couple hours from where we are right now. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. All right, folks. The moment I've been waiting for, for the last three weeks, we are going to talk about Star Trek Picard. So yes. once again, everything we talk about on this show is spoilers. I, I know I put it in the, um, when, when we post the uh, recording... I put it in there saying it is spoilers, but spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, so, for those of you who are unaware, go back to one of our previous shows. I can't remember exactly what number it is. We talked about the first season of Star Trek Picard. Yes, you can hear which all Which we about were it. huge fans of. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good TV. And I didn't know it was possible, but they have so far one up themselves. Really? You think so? I think these first three episodes are so effing good because at the end of... The first season, I'm like, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Yeah. Because you have Robot Picard, and you're like, 
I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. How they're going to. And it's like, you know what? If you don't know what you're going to do, insert Q. <laughs> and then everything can be. And it's like, oh, they did it. They inserted Q into the situation. And then all of a sudden, this storyline turns into a batch of crazy, awesome, all over the map, Marvel-esque, like, multiverse. Yeah, there's a whole thing going on. Yeah. One of the ways I think of myself is, like, I'm a teller at the Bank of Nerd. Yes. Right? So you can come in and you have credit. and Or you maybe you don't have credit. And you come in with a crazy idea. And I'm like, I'm not going to give you credit for this crazy idea. So Picard, tons of credit. Because season one, great stuff. And I'm, I'm loving it. So mm-hmm. they come in and they're pitching me season two. And they're like, oh, it's going to be cute. And it's like, oh, cool, cool. And there's going to be time travel. I'm like, okay, okay. And they're going to go back to 2024. And I'm like, I'm starting to get nervous. And I'll give you the credit. I'm not going to cut you off mm-hmm. or anything. I'm going to see where you go with this. But this isn't the storyline I thought you were going to go with. Mm-hmm. And that has definitely been my resounding thought. You know, not every episode, but like generally like, huh, I didn't think we were going to do this. Mm-hmm. It does have a little bit of the... I can never remember which one it is. The Star Trek movie with Star the whales. Trek but it's, you know, I do like it. I don't know that I like it as much as the first season, but I think I just like the storyline. Well, I mean, it more. is still only three episodes. Yeah. In, so they have a lot of room. But like oh, right I'm off the bat. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I loved how they did, how they explained why Q looks so old. Yes. And it was like, that's how you do de-aging. A quick little... Oh, well, let's. I can age too. And th- I gotta say, the de aging they did for him looked really good it for that. It looked pretty good. Like, what was it, like five seconds they showed him? Yeah. And then just seeing them discuss. And then I also can appreciate that it's been, chronologically, it's been so long since the end of the first season that nobody discusses the fact that Picard's an android. Mm hmm. Q mentions it once. I think it was the third episode. Might have been the second episode. He said, you and your fancy new robot body. Yeah. But no one makes a big deal of it. And I'm like, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Because I was afraid it was going to turn into that, how's he dealing with being a robot? How's everyone else dealing? And it's like, no. He just, everyone knows it. He is. And everyone's just moving on. Yeah. He's just, that's all right. And nobody minds. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And the Borg Queen. See, I think that this is all a setup. I think that this is all gonna this is all smoke and mirrors and that Q is going to make this magically all go away cuz he's made it happen in the first place. Well, he's done that in other episodes, but everything always has a ripple effect. Yes. No matter what he did including the Farpoint mission which was the very first couple episodes of um, Next Generation, everything has that ripple effect and this is definitely going to have reverberations throughout whatever because you know once again patrick stewart is in his 80s now yeah so i don't know how many seasons they're going to do with picard this might you know legitimately be the final season well apparently they finished recording season three as well oh i didn't know they had finished i I know they were talking about starting it oh maybe that's it i i had heard from kelly that they had finished but maybe it's that they no that that would be smart if they decided to just do two full seasons back to back yeah because, once again, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen. Which he's still holding up great. Yeah. And, like, playing the authoritarian general in yeah. the, the Mirror Universe <laughs> is awesome. Like, the way he's yelling at people and, and the way, just the look on his face. Yeah. At his age, with the with the way the, the wrinkles and everything, when he gives that stern look, yeah. it legitimately is like, okay, I can see people being terrified of this guy. How do I want to phrase this? The Elnor thing is going to be interesting. Because they're basically putting it out there yes. on a platter for the audience to be like, here, now you have stakes in the story too. Yes. So uh, just to go over a few of the plot points of the first three episodes, uh, Picard is summoned to the edge of space where a rift in space has formed. And it just happens to be Captain Rios and his crew, which includes uh, Dr. Girardi, who are investigating it. They... Uh, find out that it's the Borg on the other side and they begin to, the Borg begin to assimilate the entire Starfleet, mm-hmm. everybody. And so out of this uh, moment, there's this scream of, we got to just destroy, you know, self-destruct yes. the ship. 
And as soon as that happens, Q steps in and says, Ah, no, no, we're going to go to the end of a different road. The end of a road not taken. Yes. Is the way that he phrases it. And uh, from there, it's just this dystopian, you know, A warlike federation. The confederation. Confederation, yeah. And so it's like, the what what is it? The best person is a human or the yes. only good hum- person is a human? Yes. Um, and you know, so throughout this, you, you have characters are reintroduced in this confederation and they all remember where they came from Mm -hmm. and everything that happened right before then. And they also just happen to all be at high ranking positions where they can kind of form this, this super group of people who remember the world the way it's supposed to be. Mm. And then they kill Elnor <laughs> to, to give it some stakes. And so I'm just like, okay, no, I see what you're doing and I like it. I I definitely think that this is a game because oh, yeah. the fact that they are all such high-ranking members, like Seven is the president. <laughs> Which I love Jerry Ryan, and so I am so happy Yeah, they have her having a more meaty role in the series yeah yeah because she's awesome yeah she's great as an actress i love her character her dealing with not having any kind of borg implant anymore yeah is like trippy it's weird it's really weird it's weird for her it's weird for us it's weird for everybody um so i i can't help but feel like this is all a game just because it's too easy yes it's too easy for all the pieces to come together uh also when uh, Picard is visiting Starfleet before all this happens when we're just getting into kind of the warm bath of Starfleet mm. uh, politics and whatnot in the first episode. Um, he talks about having to reprogram the Kobayashi Maru. Yes. And I'm, I heard that line and I saw everything that happened in the last two episodes and I'm like, this is the Kobayashi This Maru. is the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. This is Q's version of the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. 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 This is a no-win scenario just to see what Picard would do. And yeah, this is this is the Kobayashi Maru. Because in reality, if you think about it, they brought the Borg Queen back to 2020... Was 2025? 2024. 2024 Earth. Mm-hmm. And she's loose. Yeah. And it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that, you brought the Borg Queen back to Earth. That back and forth with her and Girardi. I love Alison Pill Dude, as an actress. So, like, so good. Between that and I love Girardi as a character. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, don't let anything bad happen to her. Which, you gotta wonder, it has the assimilation process begun? Well, when they started speaking with each other's mouths, that yeah. was when I started getting nervous. that was nervous. creepy. Yeah. That was so free. And I appreciate... How they were able to make the Borg Queen, thankfully with prosthetics, look very similar to the actress who was in First Contact. Yes. And they made they made her look very, very similar. My only question, and I know what the answer is, but my only question is, did you have to give the Borg Queen boobs? Because there's a few shots where we're looking right down the Borg Queen's main line, and you can't help but be like, the boobs. <laughs> well, yeah, because she was humanoid before becoming... No, I know. I'm so just saying... She had, she had boobs. Well, I'm not saying whether she did or didn't have boobs. See, I think... I'm saying in the, the perfection of the body that she's built, why... Are this... See, I think they did because what made her character in First Context so kind of vital is her sexuality. Because hmm. she used her sexuality to persuade not only Data, but also Picard to a little extent. She tries. But mainly Data. Yeah. And so it's like, she is still coherent enough as a humanoid being to know that using her sexuality as along with her intelligence and being a Borg is, is important. So you're saying the answer is men like boobs? Men like boobs. Okay. I blame Riker. He directed that. For <laughs> um, I gotta say, I, I, I'm kind of happy there wasn't more of this because it was so perfect mm-hmm. when Picard went to see Guinan. Yeah. That scene, I could watch over and over again. And that was another scene where they very tactfully explained why Guinan looks older 
Yes. Even though her species ages like Yoda. Yes. And it was such an awesome scene. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and when it was done, part of me, I was really torn. I'm like, I wish there was more. But then I was like, you know what? That was perfect. Yeah. You got her in. She gave sage advice. You know, you saw the interaction between her and Picard again. And it's like, that was perfect. Yeah. You didn't need more. No. Didn't that was more. that was the amount of member berries that you wanted. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that was one of my few negatives about um, Generations, the first um, Next Generation movie, mm-hmm. is I think she was in it a little too much. Because mm-hmm. I did like in the show, she was only in little bits. She wasn't in a ton of episodes. She no. was in enough. Yeah. She was in enough to become one of the more memorable characters of all of Star Trek. Oh, but yeah. they didn't overuse it. No. And she I was not a regular that. character. No. No. She was a recurring character. Yes. But that was it. And I agree with you. I think that having her have a bigger part, I mean, maybe she'll come back in the next few episodes. Who knows? But I think this was all of the scenes we saw in the trailer. Yes. And I think that was all we really needed. Yes. Was that they just wanted to use her in the trailer and we wanted to see her. So that's, it all works out for everybody. Because, like, I love Whoopi Goldberg. But Guinan is a light touch character. Yes. And so th- the more you use her, the less it's like that's the Yoda character. Touch. Yeah. And that's why Empire was great. And that's why the prequels suck balls. Because you overused a character that didn't need to be jumping and spinning and screaming. I was about to say, you don't like Yoda jumping off the no. walls? You don't like and him flipping I around? Still, you know what I hate most about that? Was the tagline for McDonald's was Yoda man. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Um, my only criticism, really, because once again, we're only three episodes in. I know the fourth aired today, but we haven't seen it yet. And so some of the little issues I might have hopefully will flesh themselves out. This needs to flesh itself out properly, or I think it will be poorly written. Yeah. Was the Rios... INS immigration come in. This is why which I was it is nervous. Star Trek, which Star Trek always has taken in mm-hmm. events that are happening. So I can understand that, but it's like, okay, how are you going to play this? Yeah. That's I am curious to see how they land. Yeah. They if this was a gymnastics maneuver, they've hit the board, they're up in the air. Yes. And for us, they're still up in the air. And we don't know how they land. Kind of like trip. with Star Trek Fort when um Chekhov was on the Enterprise, the aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. and they thought he was a Russian spy. And then he, and you're like, okay, I know it's the Cold War, Russian spy. But then they turned it into that great scene in the hospital with Bones giving the woman the pill, and all of a sudden her kidneys are working. You know what I mean? They made it an entertaining ending. And yeah. it's like, okay, it was a serious, but then not serious. But this is like, okay, this is really serious. This and is dark. going to be serious. So, what is going to happen? Yeah. And then he has the kind of on-again, off-again love interest with um, uh, Gerardi's character. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of introduce this, this really hot one. doctor. And it's like, they didn't really show like any kind of love sparks between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Yeah, they they seem to be hinting at this idea of... What if we gave Rios an anchor that kept him in the past? You know, something that made him want to stay in the past. And so I'm just, I don't know. I, once again, my, my resounding feeling when they said they were coming back to 2024 was, but it's a shithole. Why do you want to come and hang out in a shithole? I have to live in this shithole. Don't make me hang out in this shithole. I I already have to live here, man. So like... I'm I'm very curious to see how they get out of it. I will definitely say I like the Borg Queen sections of this last episode, episode three, yes. more than the episode the going around in 2024, yes. which was just like, yes, we all know it's a shithole. <laughs> yeah. And here, another shitty part of our shitty apartment. I did enjoy also, though, that they didn't overdo the fish out of water part. Yeah. It's like... They're like, okay, we're in the past, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we don't know what to do. We're going to walk around. They knew exactly what to do. It's like, okay. That I was a little more 
impressed with than say like the Star Trek four yeah. where they're like walking in circles and not knowing where to go. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. They you don't, don't need to play like at fools. that. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing. They can blend in. I did like uh Rafi and seven at the top of the building. Yeah. Although I do have to say, does, is anyone going to sit down with Rafi and be like, Hey, listen, we know you want Elnor back. We all want Elnor back. The best thing you can do to have that happen is to stay on the ship and not cause a massive accident that might be triggered by emotional outrage. Maybe. Maybe plowing ahead through the past with this one goal in mind is not the best way to do this. Maybe. Well, that's what makes me want to see this new episode so Yeah, I know. Because I'm hoping... You know, some of these concerns we have have been... Because they did such a great job in the first season of any time I had any kind of concern, they went the right direction. I'm like, okay, good. So I'm hoping, I'm really hoping they did with this season. Yeah. Because so far, I'm I'm 100% on board, dude. I'm so curious to see what this is. I can't wait. I cannot wait. This is going to be so great. All right. So we need to move on, though. Because, okay, so Picard, first three episodes of season two, big thumbs up. Great. Cannot wait to see the rest of the season. Um, once again, we are going to talk about episode four next week. We're going to talk about episode one of the Halo series next week. And we're going to talk about episode one of Moon Knight next week. So we got a big TV week next oh, week. It's a packed catalog. But since we have such a packed catalog of modern stuff, we decided to finish off the, the show today, which we did a star, um, a Spider-Man, um, No Way no Home no. Which was mainly from your point Pseudo of view. review. Pseudo review. Um, it did come out on video. I did buy it, watch it. So now we both have seen it. I've been able to absorb it. Um, so we're just going to kind of go and do a little touchback kind of from both of our perspectives now. Yeah. I love Andrew Garfield. I do too. He was so good. In this. In this movie. I love him. He's the saving grace of this he movie. He really is. Because like, like Tobey Maguire was great. He's good. But Andrew Garfield and what Andrew Garfield brings to that role is so good because yeah. like when by the time we get to that scene where he shows up finally yeah peter one has gone through so much yes and to see the the way that he comes in and just embodies the role right exactly the way that he did mm-hmm. in the two amazing movies and just his interactions with mj and Ned, ah, oh, I love it. And I love everything about Andrew Garfield. So he's I'm like, so good. He's so good. Like, I, under- I completely understand now. Because, like, I saw a lot of the, like, popular scenes, but yeah. I didn't see all of the scenes. And just seeing it all put together, you're like, holy cow. Yeah. He absolutely nailed it. And I totally understand why people were like, we want to see the third one with him. And it's like, yeah, I kind of want to now, too. Yeah. You know, I didn't like Amazing Spider-Man 2. I know you were a fan of it, but I was like, you know, I... I can see him now as an older Peter Parker, mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. would buy into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially the emotion, the whole thing with when he saves MJ and, and yeah. it's just like, oh my God. Dude. I love that. I love so good. I love when he's talking about how after Gwen dies, he stops pulling his punches. Yeah. And it's just like, I want to see that movie The Vigilante so Spider-Man. I want to see it so bad. A Spider-Man who's just like, nah, you know what? I lost someone and I'm not okay with it. Yes. And you're going to be my punching bag tonight. Yes. And oh, please let me see that because that sounds so much better than what they had yeah. been kind of like laying out in front of us. That was not great mm-hmm. what they were laying out in front of us as I talked about a few weeks ago. And this, this I can get behind. Yeah. This is good. Which <laughs> the messed up thing, and I kind of feel bad for Tom Holland a little bit. This is his movie, mm-hmm. and I would put him sixth or seventh of on my list of memorable and favorite characters of this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's... I didn't think he was bad. No, he's not bad, but this is the thing with his Spider-Man, is yes. that it's not it's not an assertive role. No. He, he blends into the background. He's playing this wallflower type, which I get it, but that's not right for the webhead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right for Peter. That's not right for the webhead. And I just, I, I agree with you. I think that at the end, there's, I, I got to watch it for the a second time, mm. which was great. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
as I'm watching it today, I'm just like, yeah, he's still, he's better. And I'm very eager to see where he goes because now he's lost everything, which mm-hmm. is one of the things I wanted to have happen. And I, at the same time, when I'm I'm watching like the, the middle parts of this movie, I'm like, yeah, I still hate this kid at some times. You know, like when he's swinging around and, he has the phone taped to his oh, God. chest, and I'm just like, man, kid, you know, it'd be great as if you could just web swing and not yeah. have commentary over. Like, I I shouldn't be dying to have web swinging yeah. in a movie for Spider Man. Which I read something today, which makes sense. There should still be one person on Earth that knows who he is, and that's Wong, because he's the Sorcerer Supreme, mm-hmm. and the Sorcerer Supreme. Like, the Ancient One in Endgame, when the Hulk shows up, knows everything, regardless. And so Wong, because remember, she's like, oh, Doctor Strange, he's still Stephen Strange, he's operating. The Sorcerer Supreme should know everything. I'm not sure that Wong's at the level that the Ancient One and and Stephen Strange are No, but you would think just having that position has opened up his mind to certain that's fair that's fair like frames of yeah consciousness that yeah. others don't including yeah. dr strange now it's very possible it it's, is possible that possible. wong knows who he is although if we're going from the comics from the not lore of the comics mm-hmm. when dr strange is part of this whole system everybody forgets including dr strange and reed and tony and you know anybody who was a part of the, the solution, the quote-unquote solution, which did not include the devil. Because uh-huh. <laughs> um, I feel like I should explain, in the comics, to explain how everybody forgot about Peter being Spider-Man, mm-hmm. they, the real canon is that the devil made the entire world forget. Mm-hmm. And then they retconned that, and they said, well... That's what happened, but what happened in canon, what everybody remembers happening, is Doctor Strange and Reed Richards and Tony Stark mm-hmm. got together and made a techno spell that made everybody forget. So I'm, I'd be curious to see if Wong remembers. Mm-hmm. I almost hope he doesn't, because I really like the idea that Peter... Because, like, again, in the comics, the spell is much more complicated. Mm-hmm. If anybody finds out who he is, then everybody remembers all at once. So... I don't think that's going to be the case mm-hmm. here, but it'd be kind of cool if it did. I'd be kind of down for it. I got to say, the one thing that made me mad is being a Spider-Man movie where they got to dumb down every character. They dumbed down Doctor Strange. Yeah. It's like he should have been able to do that spell without fucking it up because Peter Parker kept screaming out. At one point, he would just be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And you need to sit there while I do this. But he kept adding the layers with everything he was saying. It's like, no, dude. Yeah. You're the sorcerer. You're, you're Doc Strange, man. Why are you listening to this 18-year-old or 17-year-old moron who just keeps shouting stuff at you? I also, I had that feeling <clears throat> when Ned and MJ give him lip at when they come to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah. And they give him lip about how it's actually his fault. And I'm like, it is not his fault in any way yeah. at all that your friend is a moron. Yeah. Okay, because, like, the first half of this movie has a lot more of that I lost five backpacks because I didn't know that I could web yes, them up it high did. Spider-Man. Yes, it did. Than the second half. The second half is it is definitely a movie that gets better as it's it It's because of the other two Spider-Men. It's because of the other two Spider-Men and because the bad guys are all from another movie. Yes. So they don't have to spend any time establishing anything. So, like, this is a paint-by-numbers kit of a yeah. movie i'm not going to sit here and say that john watt came up with this brilliant mm-hmm. cascade of colors that all washed together no john watt was given a giant plate full of already done food and said and told rather make something new out of all these pieces mm-hmm. of food that are already done you don't have to cook anything you just have to take a little bit of this and 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 you have to make sure that it all tastes good together mm-hmm. and he did that it does taste good together. I'm not taking back that I like this movie. I do like this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ug in that first 15 minutes, yeah, there man. Is. There's a lot of ug in that first 15 Honestly, minutes. Honestly, the first half of the movie, if it wasn't for Matt Murdock and mm-hmm. um, Doc Ock, I was like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Because then I do agree with what you said, how they kind of retconned a lot of the mistakes from previous Spider-Man. Willem Dafoe was phenomenal. He's so good. And, but watching him without the mask, you're like, that's it! Yeah. Why? You could have, you didn't even need to put a mask on him. No, he never needed a mask. No, ever. The entire so time. Perfect. My only thing that I would say is, in again, in comic canon, there's a great shot where Norman Osborn has completely lost his mind. And mm. he, as at the time, he's the leader of the Avengers, and he has decided to lead the Avengers in a righteous war against Asgard, which is floating over Kansas mm-hmm. at the time. And it turns into this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It falls way out of control. And by the end of it, Norman is screaming and his face has turned green like the Green Goblin's mask is. And Peter just decks him and knocks a tooth out. And he's like, I've heard everything this guy's ever said. Trust me, we don't need to hear anything else he has to say. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wish at the end that had happened where his face is actually turning green because he's so taken by the goblin. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, it may have been cheesy, but I would have loved it. Yeah. I, I did it. enjoy watching Tom Holland's Spider-Man, who doesn't know who Green Goblin is, get the shit kicked out of him by the Green Goblin. Man, that fight in the condo. Holy crap. Oh, 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 oh. That fight in the condo yeah. is good. That was really good. Oh, the suplex that the Green Goblin throws on him. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good stuff. And the whole time you're like, this makes sense because this Spider-Man has no reference on who this dude is. And that is one of my chief complaints is that don't make it so that no one knows who Osborn is or what Oscorp is. Mm -hmm. Have them be small startups in Jersey or something, Mm -hmm. anything. Give me the hope that these characters could exist somewhere in this universe because right now what you're basically telling me is that there's not going to be a Harry Osborn because there's no Norman Osborn in this universe. And so I'm like, well, fuck you then. (laughs) But they made it sound like that because they made it seem like, okay, there's no Lizard in any of the other two. There's There's no no Sandman in the other two. Yeah, there's no... Well, because Kirk Connors is in... The Tobey Maguire universe, but he's yeah. not the lizard. But he is the one-armed scientist. Yeah, he's still there. But in the, in, yeah, the Tom Holland one, there is no Kirk Connors. There's no Kirk Connors. There's no, no Max Dillon. There's no. no Flint Marco. No Flint Marco. There's no Otto Octavius. And there's no Norman Osborn. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have massive issues with that. If, the, if I had to circle one big problem that I have with this movie, it's that. Because... You have suddenly, just like with the scrolls, completely handicapped yourself mm-hmm. for no reason at all. And it's, I'm wondering if this is MCU saying, wow, we fucked up by when we rebooted Spider-Man, not having Norman Osborn, not having like an Uncle Ben. So we need to introduce these characters in this movie through this new multiverse. But by doing it in the way that they did it here, the characters are all completely devolved anyway. That's true because no one remembers anything that happened. Exactly. It doesn't, all of it's a null. Yeah. It, it's all null true. and void. And it's just like, no, 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 no. Because you need to have Norman Osborn. It'd be like saying, well, the Joker doesn't exist in this universe. This is a universe that has Batman and no Joker. Yeah, that's impossible. It's impossible. Or Superman and no Lex Luthor. The, you're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. I. Heard years ago this stupid idea that they were thinking about casting Matthew McConaughey as Norman Osborn. That's a stupid idea. I would take it over no Norman Osborn. Okay? Because you need to have some Norman Osborn in the universe. Even if it's a bad Norman Osborn, you need to have some Norman Osborn in the universe. It's impossible for there to be nothing. Now you're dealing with a vacuum. Now, because like I said, now you don't have Harry. Now you don't have Alchemex. Now you don't have 2099. There's so many things. Now you don't have Hobgoblin. Yeah. You have, there's so many strings that get cut if you cut Norman Osborn out of your universe. Yeah. So don't cut him out of the universe. Have him be this small startup somewhere in Jersey. That's all he needs to be. He doesn't need to be anything major yet. Just have him somewhere in the universe. But make sure, make sure he's in the universe. And Otto too. Otto needs to be in the universe. Yeah. And Kirk Connors, all three of these guys need to be in the universe. You can't, you can't have Spider-Man without his rogues gallery. Yeah, you can't do it, man. It's stupid. 
It's the second greatest rogues gallery of all time, and you've decided to cut it all completely out of your movie. For what? For what reason? Because you couldn't think to write... I looked up my name in the phone book, and I found out that I'm there, but it's not me. Why did you write it as, you know, there's someone living in my house and Norman Osborn doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. Why did you put it in such finite terms, man? Come on! Yeah, I... I'm really torn about this movie. Yeah. Because I really was entertained. Yeah. And it, like we said, Alfred Molina... Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Even uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Showing up for half a second. He had more of a... Like, him and Jamie Foxx had more of a narrative role in the movie than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all fantastic. Marissa Tomei was fantastic. The two other Spider-Men were fantastic. But everything from the traditional MCU that we're used to, I was grossly disappointed in. Yeah. And I think that's the part that bothers me. And it, it makes it weird because the ending was all of the stuff that I just said was great about it. Mm-hmm. They were all in the ending. Yeah. The Spider-Man, the villains, they were all in the ending. They all made it great. The whole, you know, Aunt May dying scene was awesome. Oh, it was, it was so such necessary. a good scene. There was so much catharsis in that scene. There was so much of this, for me anyway, this moment of finally, you know, like, the I'm watching it and the Daily Bugle pulls up and all the police cars pull up and I just want someone from out of time and space to stand there like the watcher and be like, you have to let this play out. This is an incredibly important moment and it has to be played out. Just don't do anything. Let this happen. Yeah. You just reminded me of my biggest problem. And... I think I had a little memberberry nerdgasm at the end of the last one when they showed J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. I hate the fact that A, he doesn't have the haircut. He doesn't. Why is he bald? And B, why is he Alex Jones? He can still be running a newspaper that also has. There are still newspapers in this world. He, it's the New York Post. Yeah. There it's, are still newspapers. They could still have the Daily Bugle. Yeah. And Peter Parker could still be maybe doing some freelance stuff for them in New York City. Why the hell do you want to take, in my humble opinion, the greatest part of any of the three Spider-Man franchises put together was J. Jonah Jameson from the Tobey Maguire one was so spot on, so perfect, Right, like literally, you could like like you got um, what's that movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Last oh, action last hero, action hero, where they bring these characters. He was literally brought right from the comic book, as perfect as you can make it. Yeah, why would you want to fuck with that? Yeah, I'm happy you got the same actor. Very happy about that. He still has the same tone of his voice, but it's just so fucking different. I wish that he had the brush top. I'm annoyed that he doesn't have the flat top. Yeah. I'm annoyed. And, and it was such a perfect... I mean, they gotta have that wig lying around somewhere. Right? That was the most perfect wig ever. It was a wig the first time. Let it be a wig the second time. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll sweeten the deal. You can make a joke about how it's a wig. You know? Like, yeah. Like, it, fine. I don't care. I don't mind that they made him Alex Jones. I find it annoying. But I also... Like, it, it's, it's in line with JJJ's stupid antics. That he would become an Alex Jones type. But I will say, that being said, I don't buy the idea that Triple J would have no sponsors. He would still have sponsors of one kind or another. Yeah. That weren't... I mean, even Alex Jones has sponsors. Yeah. And he's as toxic as a human being as you can get in media. Yeah. So I just he, don't get it. I, I agree with you on that. I, I didn't mind that part of it so much. I do wish that they had done more with uh, the Daily Bugle mm-hmm. and made it look more than this ragtag operation in an office. Yeah, because the, the first scene before he hits it big, it really is. It's, it's like an office in his house yeah. that he's doing the show out of. And it's like, no, dude. Yeah. This is J. Jonah Jameson. This is one, like next to Norman Osborn. Spider-Man's this is biggest Spider-Man. foil. Yeah. Biggest foil. Yeah. Biggest non violent foil is J. Jonah Jameson. If Green Goblin is the quintessential villain to Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson is the quintessential villain to Peter Parker. Exactly. You have to nail them both. You can't 
do half measures on either character because you will be able to tell. And that was one of the things I liked about this was that I liked the Norman Osborn, Peter Parker dynamic. I like that it goes up and down and up and down like a Norman Osborn, Peter Parker dynamic should. The two should not get along too well. They mix really, really well, and then they explode. Yeah. <laughs> and it always happens. Well, like even in that shitty-ass Man of Steel, they still had Perry White yeah. running a newspaper, making commentary on the fact how things are digital and and they're struggling but he was still running a paper because that is that character you know peter parker working for the daily bugle is as important as clark kent working for the daily planet the daily planet yeah as important yeah for that for their alter egos yeah it is i agree i i think that this is a movie upon second viewing i still like it I'd still give it a high score. I'd yes. give it like a B plus. I don't want to give it too much credit because I don't want it to get a big head. Because it didn't really earn anything that it got here. Yes. It was the lazy kid who was part of the project who didn't really contribute anything to the project. Mm-hmm. But they stood up there when the final uh, presentation happened. And, and took credit. Took credit. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just like... I'm going to give it to you, and it's fine, because there's elements of this that I like a lot. Electro's mask, I like it. I like it a lot. That's cool stuff. You know, the redesign of Electro as a whole, I'm going to give it to you. It's a weird thing. I, You know, there's arguments to be made that you kind of screwed up some stuff, but Mm -hmm. there were huge problems with the original design anyway, so this is great. The fact that Flint Marco has no character or motivation in this story at all mm-hmm. flint marco should be on spider-man's side yes the way that he is when he first shows up he should be on spider-man's side or he should lose trust in spider-man but something should happen that makes yeah. him go one way or another and most of all where's the vulture so that this can be the sinister six yeah why isn't the vulture teleported out of prison when the spell goes wrong he knows who Peter Parker is. Why yeah. isn't he teleported out of prison so that we can have the Vulture in this movie? Because this should be the Sinister Six. Yeah. Because you made five. How did you end up five? And I'm arguing against myself because you didn't even do a great job of making all five characters deep, impactful, entertaining characters. Yeah. Sandman is a nothing character. Yeah. Lizard is a nothing They're character. They're memory those two. Yeah. And yet, I want a sixth one, and I want you to do better with all of it. Mm-hmm. I just want you to do better with all of it because it's just not quite here yet. I, and I, I'm going to say this, and for our listeners, I am not taking a shot at you. Mm-hmm. I'm making this a broad statement for moviegoers nowadays. Okay. The MCU, in my opinion, has turned into Adam Sandler. Okay. We know we have an audience. We don't have to make quality. We just need to... Th- throw up special effects and a crazy storyline at the screen and people will spend money and go see it. I think that I agree with you. I think the one caveat I would change to that is we don't care about story. We care about crossover. We're going to put as many characters into this as we can. And that's going to, because what's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness about? It's a crossover. The new Miss Marvel trailer. What's that about? It's a crossover. She-Hulk. It's a crossover. These are all going to be crossovers. Moon Knight, we're going to see. Who knows? Moon Knight might exist in a bubble, mm-hmm. like the Punisher and Daredevil before him. But I I agree with you. There there does seem to be this sense of we're just going to shove a bunch of things together mm-hmm. onto the table, and it's going to be so bright and flashy that you're not going to be able to necessarily pick out all the finer details of, like, why are we willing to put up with Flash Thompson in this form? At all oh for any God. reason. I want to vomit. Also, every time he's on screen. Why is there a MIT mixer in Brooklyn? What is going on? Yeah. What's happening here? And why is one somebody from MIT admissions at this mixer? I could believe a bunch of people that lived in Brooklyn who all got into MIT would go to a mixer together. I don't know why an admissions officer would go yeah. to this mixer. It's no, a little weird. You know, like. There's just there's things here that if I wanted to I could pick it apart and be like no this is this is silly and this is silly and yeah. this is silly I'm not going to because I want to like this movie I do think that Tom Holland still has he's finally on the right road yes I 
I hope that he decides to leave MJ alone for a while because Lord knows I want a different love interest than this. Yes. Um, I still take it personally that they list all of the character traits of Mary Jane Watson that they decided not to go with that we've all grown to love over the last 60 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's only 60 years of canon. Yeah. You can... See, the most disappointing thing for me with this movie is it has not bucked the trend since Endgame, in my opinion, where Marvel movies are following. Because when the MCU parts of this movie follow the MCU guidebook perfectly, mm-hmm. it's the non-MCU parts, the Sony movies, are what saved this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But if you look at just the MCU parts, take out Daredevil, because once again, I don't consider him MCU because it's what Netflix created, which is phenomenal. They put up a weird wall. They put up a the, crazy the MCU, weird wall. The MCU tried to distance themselves from the Defender series. Yeah. Weirdly. I still don't know why. I don't know why either. But they're still following this trend, which I was really hoping this would buck. I guess we're on to Doctor Strange to see if they find a way to get out of this formula. But I don't have high hopes. I think, like, for me... Since Endgame, I have only been disappointed by Marvel movies. And once again, I consider the first half of this is an MCU movie. The second half is a Sony Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Which is why I enjoyed the second half. It becomes this entirely different thing when it no longer has to stand on its own legs. Exactly. As soon as it has the crutch of these other movies to lean on, it leans completely on those. Yes. And it stops trying to be an MCU movie. Well, it's still an MCU movie. It stops trying to be an organic movie. Yes. It becomes a... Literally, the movie's about fixing these other movies. Yes. And um, it's... I don't want to come down hard on it because I do like it. And I'm I'm still going to buy it and put it in my pantheon. Well, like you say, I like Shang, Shang-Chi. Yeah. But it has that same the same problems. Yeah. Of just a ton like, of the same problems. But it, it's the reverse. Whereas the beginning of Shang-Chi is strong. And yes. It's... It, Gets to a cresting point about two thirds of the way through, and then it falls off a cliff. As soon as what's his nuts, yeah, Trevor Slattery, yeah, walks on the screen, you're like, no, we're done. No, we're done. Uh, this starts in the mud, and I still hate that scene where the three teachers are standing in front of the shrine. Oh, it's pit. horrible. I hate it. And there's Betty Brandt calling him Tiger. I hate it. I hate it so much. There's so many things here that I just absolutely hate. And, then, and that's the part that surprised me because once again, I, when you only see the pit, little bits that I had seen when we had our previous discussion about it, and you said I'm happy that they changed, and Peter Parker isn't the idiot in this movie. It's <laughs> like that first half, totally an idiot. He's still an idiot, unbelievable idiot. Yeah, and it's just it doesn't. It's not until he's forced to actually bear the brunt of destiny. Yes, that he becomes a good character. Yes, and we finally get to see him. Although, I still have to say, having Kirk Connors wait in the van while it helps your CGI budget is stupid because if this, the entire purpose of this is to fix them, you need all three of Peter's mentors there to help fix all of these problems. Yes. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Also, her name should be Mae Riley on the tombstone, not Mae Parker. Yes. Because that would just finally put a bow on it. We could all sigh in relief and say thank you for admitting that uncle ben doesn't exist in this universe just admit it just admit that he doesn't exist that may is some friend of mary and richard parker who got custody of their kid after they died yes because that's essentially what you've given us anyway so let's just have it be that mm-hmm. anyway i like it it's a good movie yeah. <laughs> Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed episode 47 of Nerd Pod Generations. Because I tell you what, I certainly enjoyed it. It's good to be back. It's good to talk with you again, my friend. Oh, man, I love it. So once again, you can find us on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any podcast site of your choice. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a wall, tell anybody. We want to definitely boost our listenership. Uh, If you go to YouTube.com, you can look up Nerd Pod Generations and you have a little back catalog of some videos. And we are going to start adding more content hopefully soon. You can find me at staylorbooks.com. You can find me at jetsomstudios.work at and the Bronx Division tab. Please come back next week. It is going to be a big episode. We're going to watch a lot of TV and we got to talk to somebody about I it. I cannot wait. I cannot oh. wait.
All right, everyone, have a wonderful week. Have a good night, friends and enemies.